Magic Genie, I would like the threat of white supremacists removed from the martial arts forever. Very well, it is done. But nothing has changed. Exactly. Self-defense. Self-awareness. Self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. I am the aforementioned Phil Elmore, your host for the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Let's see how many times I can say my own name in the intro. I got a comment on the YouTube channel where I post these podcasts that specifically asked about the group Patriot Front. Uh, and I presume the question was, what is the the personal security threat, the self-defense threat represented by racist organizations. I, I gather that this group had made an appearance in the city where the commenter lived, and he wanted to know what I thought about that topic. Now, where Patriot Front specifically is concerned, I don't believe that that organization is completely above board. I'm a little suspicious anytime I see a group of supposed like Patriot or militia types who are all extremely physically fit and who are all dressed exactly the same. The reason I'm suspicious is because if you've actually known Patriot groups and right-wingers and folks who love their country but hate their government, there's always a bunch of fat guys in there. So the fact that all of these guys are in perfect shape and all in the same age range makes me think that there's something suspicious about that organization. You combine that with the fact that there have been these elaborate photo ops, like very recently, they were all arrayed on the lawn, still wearing their masks and sunglasses by the police and left to sit there so that the press could take plenty of photos and videos. I don't know of any police officer who wouldn't immediately unmask a suspect in that situation. That's just extremely suspicious to me. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that I haven't seen any major news coverage of these people being arrested and then put on trial. Like, you know, when, when the Proud Boys get arrested, you hear about that. You hear about the names of the people who've been arrested and you hear about the fact that they've been, you know, charged with something. And if that's happened in the media, I haven't seen it. It certainly hasn't reached the level of coverage that groups, you know, more prominent groups like the Proud Boys have. Um, so I don't believe that you are in any danger from a group like Patriot Front, which is a a propaganda effort to smear anyone who is not a progressive as some kind of racist. Um, I despise racism and, and white supremacy, and I'm going to explain to you why. But I think we also, when it comes to personal security and self-defense, we need to realistically assess threats separate and distinct from hysteria peddled to us by our media. And that's really, you know, that's a big part of what they do, is peddle to you hysteria. Now, why is this topic of personal concern to me? Well, when it comes to the martial arts and self-defense, I combine firearms with that because it is a fact that firearms are the single most effective tool of self-defense. Many, many years ago, when I was in my early 20s, I was at my mailbox place uh, where I used to get packages because I wasn't home during the day. And I saw a flyer that had been placed into my mailbox, you know, because someone had paid to have flyers put in the mailbox. It looked like a grassroots firearms rights organization. It was, you know, it had the, your typical militia man with the musket. And I, I had a moment where I'm like, you know, I'm going to get politically involved. I'm feeling idealistic today. I'm going to fight for the protection of gun rights. And I live in New York, so you can see where that went. It went nowhere good. But uh, I contacted the, the whatever, the, I forget what the contact information was. I think I might have written into an address, like a P.O. box. And sometime later, to my horror, 
white supremacist literature started to show up. Um, if all this stuff about there's a slogan that they call the like hardcore white supremacists call the 14 words that has something to do with preserving a future for white children and other nonsense and a bunch of other stuff um very scary you know hitler adjacent just awful awful garbage and uh i didn't know what to do so i just ignored it and then after i ignored it i started to get angry letters from the same guy who called himself joe cool i don't know if that's his given name but that's what he went by uh, and Mr. Cool sent me a number of angry letters explaining that uh, it was rude of me not to respond after he had taken the time to send me this great material that, that he was so proud of. So I called the local FBI office, and at the time it was possible to actually get a human being on the phone sitting in an office in my city. It's not that way anymore, but back then it was. So I talked to the guy in what I assume was some small field office somewhere in the city, and he's like, oh yeah, we know who that guy is. We've heard of him. He's fairly harmless he didn't say that but i got the impression from what he did say that he was saying the guy is relatively harmless in terms of you don't need to worry that he's going to hunt you down or burn a cross on your lawn but he said uh, just write him a polite letter and tell him you know that you don't want to receive mail from him anymore and he should go away so that's exactly what i did i wrote I, i'm sorry i misunderstood uh, i thought this was one type of organization and you know this is not something that i'm inclined to do so please take me off your mailing list i never heard from joe cool again but i was mad forever after after that i was mad because these white supremacist scumbags had made it personal I am a libertarian at heart. I'm kind of a conservative libertarian. I believe people should be judged on their individual merits, not as groups, not as categories. I'm not into identity politics. And, and these white supremacists with their fawning adoration for failed political ideologies and failed economic systems, because after all, you know, Hitler and his ilk, these were socialists. These were people who believed in top-down command and control fascism. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan so I was angry about that, and I, I held that grudge for a long time. So when someone asked me about the danger of white supremacists in the martial arts, you know, is there a danger? That's a topic that is of keen interest to me because I've disliked these people for a very long time. Um, now, when it comes to the people who cite the danger of white supremacy, and this, this actually happened in a comment on my own channel, I answered the comment asking me about Patriot Front and, and said essentially what I've just told you, that I think this is not a real organization. But I also said that there aren't enough white supremacists in the country to fill a minor league baseball stadium. There just aren't enough of them. They are not a significant threat. I'm aware that our government has peddled the idea that white supremacists are the single greatest domestic terror threat to the United States. That's not the case. That is a politicized agenda-driven uh, assertion that is not backed up by the facts. We'll get to that. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But the fact is that uh, everyone cites two major events when they talk about the danger of white supremacy. They talk about Charlottesville, and they talk about much uh, further ago from that, the Oklahoma City bombing. Now, Charlottesville was a bunch of dummies getting together to say dumb things for the most part. Um, I think... 
the the history of that event is muddied by the fact that you had multiple groups there who've all been umbrellaed into the same sort of imaginary fascism by the media. I'm not saying that there were very fine people on both sides. I'm saying that there were scumbags there, but then there was a bunch of people who were essentially spectators. Um, we were told that it was vehicle jihad when a guy drove his Dodge Challenger into a crowd. If you look at that video, I think it's more likely that the driver panicked when his car was attacked by uh, protesters in Antifa with baseball bats and other weapons. Um, I don't know uh, for a fact. I mean, we, we can't know what was in his head, and I think he might have... If he hasn't gone to trial yet, I think he was already convicted. I don't remember. But people cite Charlottesville, which was very much an unusual event. This is not something that happens regularly. This was a one-off. This was an odd occurrence. And people looked at the people carrying their, their tiki torches and memed them relentlessly because they looked stupid. It was dumb. It was as dumb and lame as when Patriot Front wears their little masks and has their obviously printed mass manufactured signs and does whatever demonstration they're doing in order to, you know, make the right look bad. When I think, you know, it's a fact, it's an established fact that the Lincoln Project, which is a group of Democrats masquerading as Republicans, sent a bunch of Democrats masquerading as white supremacists to a Glenn Youngkin campaign event when Youngkin was running for governor in Virginia um, because they wanted to smear him as a racist. And the mistake they made was that their their little masquerading uh, Democrats did not cover their faces, so it was possible to identify them and trace these people's identities and go, well, these people are all Democrats. And that's how the ruse got outed and, and the Lincoln Project was forced to admit that yes they did it um it, it was not the huge news story it should have been because of course you know uh, laws are for little people and republicans uh, it's not the case that you ever have to apologize for anything when you're on the left side of the political aisle and i don't mean for this podcast to be political but it has to be because we're talking about political concepts that relate to self-defense so I think one of the reasons the Patriot Front people always wear those stupid buff masks is because they know that if their faces are shown, they will get identified. Um, and I think one or two of them, we have seen their faces, and I, you know, your guess is as good as mine what's going on there. But uh, people will cite, uh, you know, if, if, if you can get past the Charlottesville thing, then people will cite the Oklahoma City bombing, which was a horrible, horrible event. I think Timothy McVeigh was probably more of an anarchist than he was a racist, although I don't know that for a fact. Um, there was a time in this country when anarchists bombed things all the time. It was a big problem, uh, you know, in the early 1900s. The worst school bombing ever to happen in the United States was done by an anarchist, somebody who was doing his terrorism in the name of anarchy. Kind of weird, you know, that's fallen out of favor and we don't think of it as like, why would anyone just blow stuff up in the name of anarchy? Well, I don't know. Why did Ted Kaczynski send uh, mail bombs to people, the Unabomber? You know, like, people are crazy. So, uh, in the case of the Oklahoma City bombing, Timothy McVeigh was supposedly uh, radicalized by a book called The Turner Diaries. And that was mentioned in many, many news stories at the time. And I was horrified by this this act of terrorism, you know, where innocent people were killed by an indiscriminate truck bomb. The bomb is the really the weapon of the coward, because you're you don't know you have no way of controlling who's going to be in proximity to that, and innocent people will always die in a bombing. Um, so this coward goes and blows people up for whatever stupid political reason, you know, his desire to bring down the government by blowing up a bunch of children in a daycare in a government building, and 
supposedly he read this book and it turned him into this mad bomber. So I wanted to know. This was many, many years ago. This was back before you could order these books online. I had to find them from a mail order catalog. I went to the bookstore to order them because that's how long ago this was. And they said to me, we don't do business with that publisher. I think it was a Borders bookstore. And so I went and found them uh, in, I think it was the Delta Press catalog at the time. You know, these were mail order catalogs where you phoned your order in. For you young people in the audience, you would phone your order in and it would show up in the mail. So there was a special section in the Delta Press catalog that had three books. There was the Turner Diary. There was a book called Hunter by the same author. And then there was a book called Serpent's Walk. And since I was placing a mail order catalog order with a credit card, I bought all three books to you know make the shipping worth my while. I figured, all right, while I'm researching this topic, because I want to know how a book makes somebody a mad bomber, um, I, you know, I'll, I might as well make my, my research and my money worth my while. Well, the books show up. And I read the Turner Diaries, and it's awful. It is barely in English. It was clearly written by a very stupid person because to have the white supremacist philosophy as your activating ideology, you have to be very stupid. It is a philosophy for stupid people. It is a crude, stupid philosophy that tells you that all of your problems are the fault of other people and that uh, because your skin color is one way, you deserve things, and because other people's skin color is another way, they don't deserve things. So... You have to be dumb. You have to be actively a moron to believe in white supremacist philosophy. And the author of this book clearly was. Well, the other book, Hunter, was even worse by the same author. The book is about a guy whose hobby is murdering interracial couples. I mean, it's an active call to violence. The Turner Diaries is essentially a call to violence as well. These are awful books written by an awful person. But you can read them and go, okay, clearly this is a very stupid human being. So, obviously, stupid human beings sometimes believe terrible things. The book that terrified me was Serpent's Walk, because it's a very long, complex novel with dynamic characters who change from start to finish. As a writer, I looked at that book, and it was skillfully crafted in terms of the narrative. And that's scarier to me, because... This guy, whoever wrote this book, you know, it was clearly a, a pseudonym as the author, and I forget what the author's name was, but whoever wrote that book was smart enough to know that white supremacy is stupid and continued to craft a narrative intended to bring people to that philosophy. He's probably the leader of some organization. You know, the few smart people that claim to adhere to that philosophy are manipulating the dumb people so that they can experience political power. That's why this tiny handful of smart people manipulates those dumb people and pushes this dumb movement forward. The good news is that there's vanishingly few of these people. There simply aren't that many ardent white supremacists in the United States. They, they do come out of the woodwork every once in a while. Uh, not too many years ago, there was an incident in, I believe it was California, where a group of legitimate neo-Nazis, right down to the badges they were wearing on their little paramilitary uniforms, were marching in California. They got attacked by a group of, I think it was like Black Lives Matter activists or something like that, and, and understandably so. I mean, you're not allowed to attack people, but at the same time, when you're a neo-Nazi and you march through a neighborhood, that's, you know, that's flagrant. You're going to draw attention, so when somebody attacks you, while legally they're not allowed to, you shouldn't attack surprised. But what happened was the activists attacked them, the Nazis pulled out knives, and stabbed the activists and when they went to trial for it they got acquitted they got off on the t on the context of self-defense because on paper what they did was self-defense how badly how bad a decision did you make 
if you get stabbed by a Nazi and he is legally found to be in the right. You've made a few poor choices leading up to that scenario for that to happen. Um, and it's, you know, if bad things happen to Nazis, I'm not going to claim that that makes me sad. I'm happy when bad things happen to Nazis. But the good news is there aren't that many of them. Your media would have you believe that there are Nazis hiding behind every tree and under every rock. There simply aren't that many of them. It's a tiny, tiny number, as evidenced by the fact that there simply is not that much violence done by these people. Uh, there have been incidents. I'm not saying there's not. But when you compare them to the incidents of violence done by people on the other side, they are minuscule in comparison. I'm going to get to that, but let me let me continue on with how the media pushes this fear. You're supposed to be afraid that, that radicalized right-wingers who've, I don't know, watched a few Jordan Peterson videos and decided, hail lobster, I'm going to become part of the far, far right-wing. Because nobody's ever just right-wing. It's always far right-wing. That's how you know we're dealing with propaganda. Um, supposedly, they're also obsessed with physical fitness and with uh, learning martial arts. And that's where this media-driven hysteria comes from. Well, they're not. <laughs> The average bunch of neo-Nazis does not look like the folks from Patriot Front. They look like a bunch of slobs, because they are. That's, that's the nature of that ideology. You've got a bunch of slobs who love to, they're, they're violence geeks. They love to fantasize about doing harm to other people. And yes, they will talk about it. But for the most part, they are not forging themselves into a body-hardened, battle-ready unit who are going to take to the streets. It just isn't the case. This is a media fantasy that is not backed up by any real evidence. Um, it's a lot like the militia threat. You know, back when our government was mostly focused on taking away your firearms rights, which it very much has been for a long time, but, you know, during the Clinton years especially, Bill Clinton when he was president, the militia threat was pumped by the media. You know, the, the idea that there are gun owners out there who are forming private armies who are going to take to the streets and, and you're in great danger from them. Well, that was always overblown. There was never a threat to the populace from militias. You probably don't want to live next door to a compound of a bunch of militia guys. I don't think anybody would, but the the threat represented by by white supremacists and militia groups and, and uh, anybody on this side of the aisle to the average person is very low. Have there been incidents? Yes, but they are dwarfed in comparison to other terrorist incidents from vehicle jihad to active shooters to other acts of terrorism, uh, both that have been intercepted and that have not been intercepted, compared to the few incidents of white supremacist domestic terrorists actually pulling off something. Um, and, you know, do the average, uh, do these racists, are they really out there going, I want to... I want to train uh, in the martial arts in order to learn how to fight. Like, we, we, we fear that terrorists are learning to fly planes or drive trucks because then they'll be able to make mayhem the way the 9-11 terrorists did. Uh, and that's true that there is that possibility. But how many people out there are actually doing that? It's a small number in comparison to the overall total. Overall total. So are these same people learning martial arts and combatives? Probably not in any large-scale way. There are individuals. I, years ago, I used to follow the pingbacks to my articles from The Marshallist, and, and my website devoted to self-defense and, and weapons and, and reviews and things like that. And it really bothered me one day when I discovered that an article that I wrote on, I think it was coupons and pocket sticks, was actually posted at Stormfront. The you know This is a legit neo-Nazi website peopled by the worst hate mongers alive. 
uh, a site so awful, in fact, that their registrar basically dropped them. And ironically enough, they had to go to an overseas provider to, to foreigners to keep their website up, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I have no idea if that website still exists because I'm not about to go searching for it. But it really bothered me, the idea that these people might be learning from me. The fact is you can't stop people from acquiring information, but realistically, are they then becoming martial arts masters that present a greater threat to the populace? No, they are not, because to become proficient in martial arts or combatives or anything else requires a certain amount of discipline, requires a certain amount of dedication. Hatred isn't going to cut it. Discipline is not hate. And, you know, we, we see movies about, like, uh, uh, Robert De Niro in Cape Fear, where he's just obsessively working out in his cell because he wants to get revenge. Well, none of these people are like that. You know, there, there may be one-offs here and there. And every once in a while, somebody will, will snap and actually commit an assault. There was a guy who committed an assault on an interracial couple. The resulting legal case from that, it may have been a civil suit, crippled the organization of Thomas Metzger, who was a famous white supremacist back in the, I want to say the 80s and 90s. Um, I don't know if Metzger is still alive. I didn't bother to do any show prep to find out if he was alive. But Metzger used to have a public access show called Race and Reason. The reason I know this is because I used to drink and watch public access on Friday nights. And, yeah, I know, exciting lifestyle. There were these two guys, Ras Simeon and Ras Joseph, who did a public access show where, like, uh, there would be incense curling up in the background and they would be reading from Marcus Garvey speeches about Hamites and Japhites. And it was bizarre. It was truly bizarre. Um, and then one of them, I don't know if it was Ras Simeon or Ras Joseph, ended up leaving the show. And it occurred to me that when there's two of you, you seem a lot less like a lone nutter than when there's just the one of you. Because if there's at least one other guy, you can con people into thinking that multiple people believe in this stuff. Um, Rasimian and Ras Joseph were not racist, I don't think. I believe they were on the opposite side of the aisle because Marcus Garvey was a, a civil rights activist, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but <laughs> the, the right after this, whatever this show was called, Race and Reason with Thomas Metzger would come on. And you never saw a dumber bunch of people who were so convinced of their own brilliance, of their own superiority. And it was people from this organization who went on the television show with Geraldo, where Geraldo's nose got broken, famously, after a brawl broke out between these white supremacists and the black activists that Geraldo inv had invited to the same show. So uh, one of the white supremacists in the Race and Reason television program talking about this incident claimed that he had punched Geraldo and broken his nose, that it wasn't the chair that had broken Geraldo's nose. And the reason he claimed this was because he said Geraldo fancies himself a boxer and didn't want to admit that a white supremacist broke his nose. So he claimed it was the chair that got thrown that broke his nose. I mean, that was there. there is no era of television quite like that early freak show, talk show uh, era. But the fact is, um, you know, Metzger's organization was crippled by a lawsuit or by a legal case. I don't know if it was civil or criminal. Um, and that's a good thing. But the, the reason all that happened, it came about because one person who was apparently either affiliated with him or a follower of his hatred did attack, did physically attack someone. So, yes, that was an isolated incident of a white supremacist, of a racist attacking someone. But the overwhelming majority of these 
racialized incidents that you hear about in the news, they've almost all been hoaxes. There was that woman who claimed that a group of white supremacists pulled up alongside her, sprayed an accelerant into her car, threw a magical disappearing lighter at her, and set her ablaze. Well, the physical evidence did not support anything about that story, and it was found after the fact that there was absolutely no evidence that these people ever existed. It never happened. Uh, when Trump was elected, there was supposedly this surge in hate crimes, in race crimes. What there actually was was a surge in fake reports of hate crimes, because I'm not aware of a single one of those incidents actually turning out to be true. I'm certain one or two of them must have been, just by law of averages, but the overwhelming majority were hoaxes. Because there's political and social credit to be had in claiming to be a victim. And when you can smear your enemies as racist by association, then that's a powerful weapon as well, which is essentially what our media and our government have been doing to make you believe that there is a threat to you from white supremacists in the martial arts. Uh, as I said, there aren't enough white supremacists in the country to fill a minor league baseball stadium. There was a time when the Democrat-led Klan was a big problem. They were a murderous organization who held significant political power. I believe it was um, uh, the, the Klan movie, Birth of a Nation, was one of the first movies, if not the first movie, screened at the White House because people in power believed in this racism and this, this horrible, horrible philosophy. Um, the, the fact is, though, today... To be smeared as a racist is the worst thing that can happen to you. We as a society have rejected racism. Uh, there are white supremacists, but they are vanishingly few. They do not have political power. They are completely and utterly marginalized. There aren't very many of them in terms of just quantitative numbers. And so, regardless of the politicized elements within our government that claim that these people are a threat, they are not. You are not in, in danger of being harmed by white supremacists. Your martial arts school is not in danger of being infiltrated by racists. Um, your danger of being assaulted by left-wing elements is much, much higher. There are active left-wing groups like Antifa and other groups right now, um, like the, the Socialist Rifles or something. There are groups right now who are training with weapons and supposedly training in uh, self-defense and, and, well, it's not really self-defense. It's assaultive combat. They are training right now to use physical violence to silence people who have opinions they don't agree with. They are training right now to use violence to shut you up when you use words that they don't like. And they support these efforts by redefining opinions they don't like as violence. Words are not violence. Violence is violence, as anyone who understands the martial arts and self-defense can tell you. So the, the, the point I'm making, the thing that this all boils down to, is that no, there is no significant white supremacist or racist threat in the martial arts. You personally are not in danger of being attacked by white supremacists or uh, racists. Now, there may be isolated cases where like, you know, if you happen to live next door to a trailer full of skinheads, then your personal danger is greater. But in society overall, this is not a significant threat, not by any kind of percentage or probability. Uh, you are much, much more in danger of being assaulted by a left-winger who has embraced violence as a means of silencing opinions he or she does not like. Um, so rest assured, you in the martial arts, you are not in danger from white supremacists or racists as a general thing. Should you be prepared uh, for encountering an individual racist or white supremacist? Most certainly, they do exist. I'm just saying that they 
are few in number and the demand outstrips the supply, which is why so many people in our media and in society manufacture racist hoaxes that never happened in order to get in on that that victim credit, that that social credit that comes from being a victim. Because, you know, if racism were really as prominent as these people would have you believe, they wouldn't have to manufacture these incidents. They would happen. And then they would take advantage of the fact that they happened. But most of them are hoaxes. For, and that's good. I cannot stress enough that it's a good thing that we have largely condemned and discarded racism as a, as a political and social philosophy. That's good because people deserve to be judged on their merits as individuals, not as categories, not as demographics, not as races, not as religions, whatever category you want to put on it. So uh, some Yahoo, I mentioned this before, uh, posted a comment claiming that my opinion that this is not a significant threat is somehow dangerous. And that's the language of progressive hate mongers. These are people who want to claim that because you disagree with them, you are somehow endangering them and putting them in physical danger so they can justify all the vile, evil stuff they do in response. No, this opinion is not dangerous. This opinion is realistic. We should keep this threat in perspective. Racism is bad. Racists are bad. White supremacists are one of the worst types of people that exist, and they deserve everything bad that happens to them. But fortunately for all of us, there aren't that many of them out there, and you are not in any great danger from them. So just follow the same protocols, protocols you do for self-defense uh, in general. And you know whatever the motivation of a person approaching you meaning you harm, their ideology doesn't matter. It's what they're doing and how they're affecting you that matters. You know, you can judge later, did this person attack me because of some racial element or for, for some reason of financial gain or because he was nuts? You know, th there's only a few choices and it doesn't really matter in the moment why someone is approaching you, although it does matter how you respond because crazy people aren't deterred by things that are deterred, you know, that would deter rational people. But that's a topic for an entire other podcast. I could probably do a whole podcast on crazy people. So... All right, that's going to about do it for this episode of the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I hope you have found it helpful. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Elmore.